You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with a good friend, David Schaefer from Imperial Headwear. Now, our next guest wears a lot of hats, and we mean literally a lot of hats. Now, David started as a junior golfer in the American Junior Golf Association. Then he became a collegiate golfer, Division One at Northwestern University. And from there, he joined the business world, using his talents and his love for the sport to sell apparel that is used in the game. Uh, now, literally, as we said, he wears a lot of hats, and he is the vice president of sales and marketing for Imperial Headwear, which is the premier company for golf hats uh, in the United States. This company is more than 100 years old, and you've been told you know, to, uh, I guess from a, if you've been to a golf pro shop or you play golf, you've probably seen them. You probably own a hat and we're excited to learn more about this and really, you know, what Imperial does, um, not only for the community, but what they do for the game of golf. And, and, uh, I love hats. Scott loves hats. We're both wearing hats. Actually, David, you're not even wearing a hat, so we don't even know what's going on. I'm just kidding. So let's talk a little bit. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Imperial headwear. Thank you so much, David, for joining us on this episode of the brand builders podcast. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Absolutely. Good to see you, David. Thanks for investing a few minutes with us this morning. And, you know, bottom line, man, I think a lot of folks might envy your line of work. It, it just sounds fun and cool. And, and you, you offer product that people love and you don't have to deal with sizes as much and that kind of thing, like other parts of the apparel world and distribution. But um, I'm curious, how did you turn your passion for the game of golf into to a full time career? Um, well, probably have to go back to, uh, when I was in school, honestly, um, it was a tough, it was a tough decision to stop playing golf and, uh, get into the business world. But, uh, I think meshing both golf and business, my two passions was, was kind of a natural thing. Um, I remember, uh, going to grad school and coming out of grad school and, uh, that's right about when I stopped playing competitively because I played when I was in grad school. Um, and my advisor kind of helped me through the process and it was a tough decision and it was a process to kind of give it up, but, um, I was excited to get into the business world, honestly. Um, and being in the business of golf, uh, really keeps me energized and, uh, I love it. I love being around it. I love, uh, visiting customers, uh, all over the country at great resorts and golf courses and, and working with them. So it, it is fun. What Tell us, before we jump into the business side of things, I want to talk about, you know, like golf is a very difficult sport, right? I, I was a Division One athlete and I suck at golf, right? I love it. I'm trying to get better <laughs> at it. It challenges me every day. I actually got probably the best I've ever been in golf during COVID because I, I got to play a lot. And my wife was like, get out of the house and go play golf. And I was like, I love yeah. you. See you in four hours. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> But when we think of like of golfers and a lot of them, some athletes can pick up the stick and, and, and be great at it. Some can't. But when we think of junior golfers, we think of like a young Tiger Woods. You see those clips all the time with his dad, a putter in his hand at the age of three. Did you start that young? How Tell us about your journey um, from, from start to, to kind of where you are now in the golf world. Yeah, I, I started um, with my father. Uh, probably about you know five years old or something, and he was a good amateur golfer. He was a club champion. Um, I grew up in Massachusetts, and I would just uh, follow him to the course. I remember rolling putts back to him, so he'd put him in the hole. I'd pick him out and roll him back to him. Um, I'd go to the driving range. I I remember teeing it up and intentionally 
popping up a drive because I thought that was cool. Um, <laughs> you know, I was like a little kid, like seeing it get air. That was, that was a cool thing. Um, but it, it kind of grew into um, a passion for me. Um, we moved when I was probably 11 years old near a golf course. And I started playing golf, you know, in the summer every day. I didn't go to camp. I played golf. And we had a group of really good golfers. So we, we kind of be, became competitive. Um, there's a guy on tour right now. His name is Rob Oppenheim. Um, and I grew up with him. So we had really good matches. His brother, his older brother was a good golfer. We had a group of probably 10 or 12 kids that that was our camp for several summers was playing golf. Um, and then I, I played in junior tournaments. I played in the AJGA. American Junior Golf Association, and I ended up getting recruited to play in college, which honestly was kind of my dream. I wanted to play collegiate golf. I don't, I'm not sure I saw beyond that. Um, so I think that when it came time to make that decision to get into the business world, it was natural um, to get into the golf business. And I knew people that were in the golf business. So I sat, I kind of looked up to them and, and thought, you know, man, if I could do that, I, it wouldn't seem like work. Um, of course, there's work in any, in, in anything you do, but, um, yeah, it, it's really fun. And I'm glad that everything kind of, uh, evolved the way it did. What was it like playing, you know, college golf? You, I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the PGA. I watch every weekend and you look at, you know, Florida state university just went back to back with, with Brooks Kepka and I'm, I'm burger daniel burger um who just won and they talk a lot about like with brooks kepka and his career and it was it's similar to yours like his camp was getting dropped off at actually a public course and brooks yeah. said i'd go back to that right now if i could go to that course and play every single day i would do it and he's a professional multi like champion and it's just yeah. incredible to kind of hear that story but what was it like for you playing college golf it, it was a great experience honestly i mean we played some awesome golf courses in the Chicago area. I went to Northwestern and, um, you know, at first I, I was kind of skeptical thinking like we don't have a university course that dedicated to us, but I quickly found out that we had access to some great golf courses in the Chicago area and we played a different course basically every day. So that was awesome. And then traveling around with the team, I mean, they were my best friends in college, um, it was kind of like it being in our own little fraternity and we'd go to California and we'd go to Puerto Rico and Mexico and Florida. I mean, it, it just seemed a little surreal that we get to do what we loved. Um, you're on a scholarship and you get to have fun in college in, in a way that most people don't. So I, I loved every minute of it. And I, and I want to ask you this probably hard question, but nobody really knows the difference from once you're in college, especially in golf. Like, you know, there's a there's a fine line and it's probably very thin from being a very good Division One player to, and then taking that and, and getting your tour card. What was that process like? Were you trying to get on tour? And, and I would just love to know, did you just know it was time? How did that happen? Because it has to be so difficult to really be like, OK, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to step away. Yeah, it, it was a tough decision. I mean, it was honestly, it was kind of a business decision. Uh, I, I wouldn't have thought that I could make it to the next level. Otherwise, I would have tried. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys that I played with did. I mean, the the most notable is Luke Donald. He um, played on our team and, and he obviously kept getting better and better and better. And he was number one in the world for a while. Um, but the difference between him and me in college was was huge even even though we were both on the same team um he was he was at playing at a different level i also think that you know guys get better 
after college. Um, I mean, Luke did got better too, but I think that, you know, there's plenty of average golfers, average collegiate golfers that really improve after college. Um, and they stick with it. There, there's a lot to be said for people that just stick with it and they end up developing later in life. Um, so I, I'm happy where I am and I'm happy playing golf for fun and, and yeah. being in the business end. All right, I'm going to get to business. My last question though, yeah. what's the lowest round you've ever shot? <clears throat> I've shot 65 a few times. Nice. I've shot 65 <laughs> a few times on the front nine. It's, I'm just, yeah. it's just crazy that that can't get, well, not to say it That's can't, crazy. but that doesn't get you to the next level that there's folks so, even better than that, you know? You know, pe people can do that, but the difference is, in my mind, that the golfers that you see on TV can do that on a stage, on, oh, on the right. world stage. With the pressure. Um, and, you know, and the hardest yeah, golf Yeah, when I shot 65, and... there was nobody watching. It was, you know, me and the, the guys on my golf team, and that was it. And there was pressure. It was a qualifier for a, a, a trip that we were going on. But, you know, there weren't TV cameras or fans or anything like that. So I think that a lot of people have that ability that just can't do it on a stage. Well, you know, golf is such a – great sport for building relationships and building networks and spending time with with folks you enjoy being around is that yeah. is that sort of what led you to imperial headwear um no I, I don't think that was specifically what led me to imperial i mean imperial sort of fell in my lap in a way i was working for a company that bought imperial and then that's how I got involved with um, with the brand. Honestly, um, I do enjoy from time to time. There's a handful of, of days in the year where I get to play golf with customers and play in events and fundraisers and things like that. And, and those are fun days for sure. Um, I enjoy connecting with people on the golf course because I, I feel like after you play a round of golf with somebody, there's a connection um, that there wouldn't have been if if you hadn't. So. Uh, and it usually involves a, a couple beers or something afterwards as well. So, um, sure. yeah, I, I love it. I love the game. I love everything about it. You've probably played some pretty incredible golf courses. Um, does one stick out as your most favorite? And don't tell me Augusta. Uh, or I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's the one I love to play there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to beat Pebble Beach. Yeah. Uh, Pebble Beach was just fantastic. I think I played in the 1999 U.S. Amateur at Pebble Beach, and. Um, that sticks out. Uh, it was a special time. I had my dad and my grandfather with me. And wow. uh, fortunately, I didn't play that well, but it was an awesome trip. Um, and then most recently, I've started playing, um, got the opportunity to play Peachtree in Atlanta, which is phenomenal. I, I feel like I've almost played Augusta by yeah. playing Peachtree. That's awesome. Well, let's yeah. jump into uh, to Imperial and and really, you know, the the role that you guys play in the game of golf and what you guys um, provide. It's an amazing, you know, line. Uh, it's one that you'll see out on the on, on really any golf course. You'll see professionals wearing it. Tell us a little bit about Imperial Headwear and really what you guys bring to the game of golf. <clears throat> yeah. Um I think Imperial is such a fascinating brand. Um, I didn't start the brand, so I feel like I can say that. And, and although I'm biased, um, you know, there are a lot of people before me that, that set it up for what it is today. Um, it was founded in 1916, so we're 105 years old, which is crazy to think about a brand lasting that long. Um, you know, we, we are considered kind of like the 
upscale premium golf brand. And I think that that happened because we're in all of the best golf courses. We're, we're doing business with 97 of the top 100 golf courses. Um, we do business with most of the, the major championships and some uh, tour events and things like that. So the reality is when you, when you go to an event or you go to play a nice golf course, you're probably going to see an Imperial product and that kind of um, escalates our brand. But you know, I think we do some stuff that's pretty cool in the in the hat world um, that that also helps you know with our website and our social media um, really helps support uh, that brand image. How do you guys compete? Uh, you know, you look at Imperial and, and it's an amazing line, but there's a lot of big players that are out in the golf world. Nike, you yep. know, Adidas, Puma, you name it. There's a lot of players out there and you can see it every single weekend when you watch the PGA. How yep. difficult is it to compete against a brand like Nike? And what is that competition like when you're going into, you know, pro shops or, or there's a PGA tournament and, and you want your hat to be showcased and you want it in the right area and, and yep. being kind of in charge of that from a sales and marketing standpoint, it seems daunting to be be like hey i'm gonna go up against nike but you guys do a damn good job so i'd love to know you know what that process is like and, and how how does that work yeah i mean some of those companies i, I almost don't view as competitors honestly like uh, nike um yeah, of course they sell hats and you might see them at a major championship right next to us but for some reason that they're almost not a competitor i think that our niche um, in, in the market that we sell to is we offer a lot of different customization options. So the, the logo options, whereas Nike doesn't have a, a ton of options, their line is pretty small compared to ours. I mean, if you look at our wholesale catalog, it's about 132 pages long. And, you know, they probably have a, a fraction of what we offer. So I like to think that we can offer, you know, a comprehensive headwear category. And now we're doing more. We're doing t-shirts and we're expanding into other um product extension lines so um yeah i think we bring a lot to the table in terms of uh logo techniques too like i, I almost view us as a uh, a logo company that happens to make hats um you know i i didn't always view it that way but but i see it for sure now that the different ways like i see you're wearing a hat with a patch on it um very different than embroidery um, so when we're able to offer new ways to decorate our cool hats, I think that's where we went and that's where we beat some of those bigger brands. You know, that's a really good point. And, um, and, and with the Dunst Group, we have the ability to take, you know, your line and be able to customize it. And you guys have some really cool ideas. Obviously, a rope hat is something that's massive. Uh, we created a really cool rope hat for a, a local customer that we took your uh, the, the rights in. And we actually did it in a white, teal and purple. And we, we took their logo and we matched that rope to make it look exactly like the Charlotte Hornets. And the president called me up the second we gave it to him. He goes, I got home and my son ripped it off my head. And he said, <laughs> Said, dad this is so dope and his and and he literally said i can't get my son to wear my brand at all but since we had a really cool hat we connected it with the charlotte hornets we connected it with colors that represent kind of this city he thought it was the coolest thing ever and you guys from a customization standpoint is incredible you got to go check out their website you can literally design your own hat you can create whatever you want on it and it's like pretty pretty cool experience i'm not gonna lie yeah, and, and I think that we're just starting, honestly. I think we're just scratching the surface in terms of being able to design a hat online and buy directly from Imperial. Um, it's a relatively new uh, venture for us to be able to do that. Um, it's probably about six or seven months old 
uh, honestly. Um, but so far, the the trend is is very very good. Um, I, we have some new technology that we're working on to do business better this way um, and I think that uh, you know we'll, we'll start offering more decoration techniques right now it's just embroidery but once we can get patches and other stuff up there too I think it'll be even bigger but you know the reality is I think in the marketplace people want custom and they want to be able to order directly from brands mm-hmm. um, so I, I think that between those two things we have a good formula going Absolutely. What do you see uh, with all the challenges of the pandemic? Um, what have you guys done differently and, and how do you see your company shifting uh, going forward? Um, yeah. I, uh, where do I start? That's yeah. a big question. Um, yeah. yeah. The last 12 months have been crazy. Uh, they've been crazy for everybody I know, but in our business, we've had to uh, pivot and adjust and, and do all kinds of uh, different things. Uh, it's been it's been good honestly i mean knock on wood the last six months have been phenomenal um so i think i i thank uh you know that i'm thankful that we're in golf honestly because golf is very healthy right now uh people are playing golf more than they ever have they're joining country clubs and in the category that we're in um i think we're fortunate that people typically wear a hat when they play golf and because of those reasons, I think we're selling lots of hats, but, um, you know, there's been all kinds of challenges with supply chain. Um, there's been challenges at our factories. Um, we did have to shut one factory down at one point because there was a case. Um, we've had to adjust the way the, the line workers are, um, uh, they're, they're now in pods. So if, if there is an exposure, we don't have to close the whole factory down. We just close, you know, uh, get those those people in the pod uh quarantined um but i think most of all it just made us reevaluate everything we do um little things big things uh, everything was kind of reevaluated over the last year and um really cut the fat and made sure that we were running a good business and and i think that we survived pretty well very cool are you guys producing anything in the usa these days we do. So we get a lot of our, what we call blank stock, meaning hats with no logos on them. We get a lot of that made overseas. Um, and then we do the decoration domestically, but we actually cut and sew um, some of our products in uh, in the state of Missouri um, that are, you know, all those products are completely made uh, in the USA. So um, while that's not a big trend and it's not a huge part of our business, it, it still exists, which is, is pretty cool to be able to say we're making products fully in the USA. Yeah, I love that. Um, and you guys have so many different divisions, right? You, you focus on golf courses, you focus on retail, and you just mentioned like uh, the ability for the consumer to buy directly from you all. And you yeah. also focus on where we live in the in the corporate apparel market. Um, how do you how do you keep track of all of that and and basically protect all of your different avenues of getting product to the consumer? That that's a great question. So I think that we we talk about this all the time. We have to protect our golf business because our golf business is what makes all of our other businesses um, happen. Honestly, uh, so you know I concentrate on golf the most. And we have a whole team of people that concentrate on those different distribution channels. Um, But if golf is healthy, I feel like that sort of lets everything else fall in place. Um, 
you know, we were just talking about this in a meeting yesterday. If somebody walks into a Pebble Beach or a Pinehurst or, or any world-class resort and they see an Imperial hat and then they look us up and they can figure out that they can buy Imperial hats with their logo on it, their, their business, you know, go back to their workplace and, and order um, hats with their logo on it. I think that that's, that's what makes our business successful. Um, so it's really starts with golf and then it trickles down to the other stuff we do. And we even get people, um, I don't want to name names, but we make a lot of hats for people that are considered private label. Um, so they come to us and they say, Hey, we want to buy hats from you. We want it to look like we made it, but we trust your quality and, and your factories and supply chain and everything like that. Um, and these are household names. So you would never know that Imperial made it, but I think they come to us because of the brand Imperial and they trust it. Absolutely. Now, in the you said the company was established in 1916? 1916, yeah. Wow. So you guys are over 100 years old. Um, did the brand uh, and product offering start with golf or has it evolved it not. into golf? No, it did not. I mean, I, I obviously wasn't around back then. Um, so from what I can figure out, we started out making a lot of, um, you know, uh, military hats and uh hats for like top hats for men um postal worker hats like all kinds of government contract type hats um and it wasn't until later in uh the century when you know the pga tour really got prolific arnold palmer was playing golf uh he really attracted a lot of fans to the game and that's when merchandise tents started getting popular um and popping up at pga events and i think that's when we started shifting into uh, a golf company, honestly. Um, and now when you think of us, I think most people think golf first. And, and that's really who we've become is we're, we're a golf company that makes golf hats. Um, and we happen to sell on some other channels because because of golf. That's really interesting, the, just the evolution of a brand that's over 100 years old and kind of where you start and where you end up. And, and then where are you yeah. going? You know, yeah. what what's cool? Yeah. And speaking of where are we going, like what's cool on the docket for Imperial Headwear? Where, where, where do you envision this being in the next five years? Where are you guys focusing and things like that? Yeah, I, I think um, e-commerce is one of the biggest things. Um, I know it sounds kind of funny to say that, but uh, we talked about it a minute ago. We're, we're just scratching the surface with e-com. I think that uh, direct consumer is a big deal for us. I mean, we're, we're really a trade brand for the most part. When you think about it, we're putting other people's logos on our hats um, and being able to do that for consumers and offer cool logos, whether it's, you know, it's one of the icons that we have on our website, it could be a sailboat or a crab. People think it's cool to wear an imperial hat. Now we're getting into, um, you know, us open licenses and, uh, we do a ton of collaborations. We did one with, uh, John Ashworth and Goat Hill Park recently, which was fun to do with him. Um, and we have some more, uh, lined up. So I think that e-com is going to continue while it's still a small part of our overall business. I think it's going to become a bigger part of our business as time goes on. Um, and that even goes back to, uh, golf customers, typically golf customers meet with one of our sales representatives and that's how they place an order. And I don't think that's ever going to go away, but I think more people will want to buy online or reorder online or see a hat online or something like that. So it's going to play a bigger part in our business going forward. 
With your model, do you get to go to a lot of the the, the majors and 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 go out to there when they're having them? Because I mean, if you here in Charlotte, we're we're blessed to have Quail Hollow, and and we've had the PGA Championship, and obviously the Wells Fargo Championship. And I remember yeah. going through the store um, at the PGA Championship, and I was just blown away. I was like, this is really cool. Not not only your brand, but every brand that was around the PGA, everybody did such an amazing job. Is that kind of part of your job as well? Like going on site and and being there at some of these? And the reason I say that is I, I will be headed up to Wisconsin for the Ryder Cup at the end of this year. Are you going to be there? I will be there. Well, heck yeah. Ah, there we I, go. I was supposed to be there last year when right. I pushed back, so I'll, I'm planning on being there. I actually yeah. wasn't going to get to go last year because we had a baby, so I appreciate uh, – uh. It get put it getting pushed out. My buddy called me. He goes, "Well, now your your son's been born, and that'll be a year from now. You think you can go?" I was like, "Put me down. Let's roll." So I uh, just got my tickets actually in the mail yesterday. So I'm pretty excited about. Wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the child and Thank the you. ticket. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it was. It's been a good year for me, even though you know with, with everything else that's been happening. But yeah, I'm sorry. Back to what I what I was saying. That's got to be pretty cool to be able to go out to these tournaments. But obviously, when you're there, you're there to work, right? You're there to to entertain clients. You're there to try to sell product. Um, you tell me what it's like to be i guess on site in a major because to me i'm gonna yeah. be going there drinking beer and watching golf to you yeah. it's probably a very very important weekend uh for imperial it's a different experience for sure i'm not really watching much golf or drinking much beer but um <laughs> i do get to go to those events um they are important to our business i think um being involved with those events is super important for our brand um and hopefully, you know, there's some nice sales too. I like watching fans shop. I mean, that that's when I get to see the interaction with the end user. Um, so I, I do a lot of observing uh, when I go there and, and see how people interact with their products. And I always laugh seeing guys try on hats and looking in the mirror and stuff like that. But it, it's fun to, to see people and get that feedback from a uh, you know, the end user. Um, I usually go to those events to, um, you know, network, uh, network with other suppliers, um, make sure, you know, I'm have, I have a good relationship with the people that run those merchandise tents. Um, it's fun. It, it, it's definitely not as glamorous as it might think, as you might think, but, um, you know, we're, we're typically doing that kind of stuff and then restocking shelves. Um, so we're constantly going in the back room and getting more hats and putting them on the shelves too. And hopefully, uh, the more we sell, the faster we're doing that. Yeah, Love we it. we do a lot of work with with Cutter and Buck uh, as well. And I remember having conversations with their reps when the PGA Championship was here. This was right after Clemson, I think, won their first national championship, or maybe they were on to their second one. And the amount of orange Cutter and Buck polos that they were selling that had like the Clemson logo on it was unbelievable. They literally had to continue getting these like overnighted to be sent in, and they just couldn't keep putting them on the shelf. And they just kept yeah. selling and selling and selling. So that's crazy. And also the golf world on a Thursday and Friday, it's probably 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. when that is. Oh, I mean, it's insane. It's an yeah. all day event. Like we're not even to the cut yet. So golfers are right. starting from sun up to sundown. And then if that's there, the spectators are there, too. Um, yeah. On that note, what are you seeing the game of golf with covid right now? There's not a lot of fans. Do you when do you see that coming back to normal? Because that's got to play a big role in sales when you don't have a, a full golf course yeah. and you're investing a lot of money to be there a lot of money to sponsor this and you want to be able to have those crowds but you obviously have to do it in a safe manner given the circumstances that we're under yeah it's been super challenging these events i mean um 
the general public might not even think about how far in advance that we have to make the product. Um, so Ryder Cup's a perfect example. I mean, we had, <clears throat> excuse me, everything made for the 2020 Ryder Cup, you know, months and months in advance. So when it was pushed back, um, that was a big conversation that had to be had. Well, what, what are we going to do? And I think the PGA handled it great. I mean, they said, uh, we're going to play the 2020 Ryder Cup in 2021, so we don't have to change the year on merchandise, basically. Um, hopefully, it'll all become collector's items in the future. But, um, yeah, th- those events are are, are hard. Um, right now, we're, from what I hear, 10 to 20% uh, capacity at some of those events, just trying to keep things safe, uh, keep a safe distance. I think it's going to be a while, honestly. I, I don't see things uh, getting back to even remotely normal levels until second half of the year um, at the earliest. Uh, I think that the vaccine has a lot to do with that. When people feel comfortable um, being in close proximity to each other and in, uh, you know, in, in those, luckily golf is outside though. So there are, there are ways to do this safely. Um, the tour is doing a great job of gradually bringing things back. I know they have, um, some plans for the players championship next month. Um, so hopefully we'll see that 10 to 20%, uh, grow over time. Um, and maybe over the next six or eight months, we'll, we'll be up to, you know, 60, 80%. I'm curious a little bit, uh, shifting gears just a hair, uh, your role as vice president of sales and marketing for Imperial Headwear, what's it been like in a leadership role, uh, sort of navigating all of this, um, you know, this whole scenario of, of, of yeah. maybe having to have hard conversations with, with your team and, uh, you know, going forward, what's, what's it been like for you personally? Um, it's been a challenge to say the least uh man i don't i don't even know where to start um i mean the the i guess being in the leadership position it's you know the unknown um how, how do you navigate the unknown you're going into places and um situations that we've never had to deal with um so while i can recall all kinds of situations and how to deal with pricing and problems with an order and stuff like that i've never seen anything like it um you know last spring was a real cluster honestly with golf courses closing um orders getting sent back to us because the golf course was closed. April is our busiest shipping season for golf and it couldn't have come at a worse time for our business. So, um, all of our sales representatives, um, you know, it was, it was hard for them to adjust, I think, and, uh, know what to do. Um, but I think that we did a good job navigating that and getting through it. And then the reality was we only really had to deal with maybe three months or so, Uh, of that. And then it started getting better. Um, so it was a real hard time when the bottom was falling out, but, um, the second half of the year was, was tremendous. And, uh, we started off this year, um, with a great January. So I'm looking forward to knock on wood. I'm looking forward to a great 2021. I think we, we did a pretty good job getting out of a mess. That's fantastic. I actually have a 2020 master's hat. Pretty damn cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have a, I have a, 2020, cool. I have a 2020 Masters polo because I was supposed to go to the Masters for the first time ever. And <laughs> Sorry, got, no fans. It got postponed. <laughs> and then it got postponed again. So now it's like I will hopefully get to go 2022. They're keeping our tickets. So all I know is that. I've been in the lottery for about 17 years, and I finally got it. <laughs> um, growing up in Atlanta, it's like not going to the Ma- – people were like, you grew up in Georgia and you've never been to the Masters? I'm like, it ain't that easy, all right? Maybe I just need to <laughs> yeah. know some people. Yeah, that's I wanna, the key. I want to know – on a um, just on a like a quantity standpoint, how many hats does Imperial sell a year? I mean, what like what like it, I bet it's probably gonna blow our minds. I just I'm just <laughs> just yeah. curious. That might be it, confidential. Private, yeah, you don't have private to. Private company. Yeah. It's a yeah. private company. It's a family-owned company, so I can't tell you exactly, but it's in yeah. the millions. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. I would assume. Yeah, I, I'm just curious because it's you know it's something like that. You go to every single golf course. You think about how many golf courses there are out there, and and that's pretty cool. Um, before we 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 kind of roll this up, and I know I'm, I'm asking a lot of golf questions because you understand that, but you know the the game of golf went through a huge transition, and now you see a lot of younger golfers that are coming into the game, and they're fired up, man. And and I feel like the the game is starting to create even more of a younger audience. Where do you see the game of golf? Because I mean, 10 years ago, there were a lot of golf courses closing down. There was a lot of concern that, you know, this game yeah. takes too long to play. Kids are, are not going to be interested in it. But I start to see like it seems like there's like a comeback. Uh, is that what you're seeing? And, and what's kind of the nature of golf as a whole? Yeah, no, I, I think it all started with people like Tiger, you know, and, and really attracting different audiences that maybe weren't um, likely to play golf. Um, got young people energized about golf. Um, right now, you're seeing different ways to consume golf. Um, you know, I think traditionalists are worried about top golf and they're worried about people playing music while they play golf and things like that. But, you know, I I don't, I'm not sure where I stand. I don't personally love, um, you know, blaring music when I'm playing golf. It's kind of my, my nice walk and I get to, you know, think about other things, but, um, I think that the reality is it's all good for the game. And if, and if we can be inviting and accepting of, you know, how people want to consume golf, I think that it'll continue growing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you look at Pinehurst and how they've created the cradle uh, and awesome. what they've done. Amazing opportunity. We had Eric Huster on our podcast. He's a good friend of, of uh, I guess, of the podcast, of the business in, in yeah. general. Yeah, we love Eric. Yeah, great guy. And it was it was fascinating to hear a traditional, you know, one of the best golf courses resorts in the world li- listen to their fans and understand that, like, yeah. okay, this is we, we need to be able to adapt. And it's been a great thing for them. So that's really cool. I mean, look, they even have Barstool Sports showing up and doing the barstool classic at pinehurst five years ago i would have never in a million years yeah. said that these two are going to join and they did you know so it's wild i i have to say tom pashley and eric Cuser have done an awesome job i mean I, I i know eric really well and i know tom too and um, when i talk to eric and find out things how they're thinking about how they want to grow their business um, blows me away. Those guys are cutting edge. Yeah, that's awesome. Small world. Yeah, and they're right in our backyard. <laughs> yeah. we're, uh, we're good with that. Yeah. Well, that's right. You know, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was a pleasure to learn, you know, more about Imperial. We, we appreciate the partnership. I appreciate what you're doing for the game of golf and and, and everything. Definitely check this, this brand out. You know, uh, reach out to us if you want to have a conversation as well. We'd love to chat with you. Uh, I know your tailgate collection, I've been clicking through that, is awesome. So people in North Carolina, 
Carolina. If you want to buy some really cool stuff, they have some awesome hats uh, for every single state. So not just North Carolina, but you know, thank you so much, man. I uh, we we look forward to to following the journey. Best of luck coming out of you know this pandemic, and and hopefully more people can get out to golf courses and more people can go to these tournaments. And you know, hopefully I uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, in the fall in uh, in Wisconsin at the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Sounds great. Let's have a beer. Let's do it. Thank you, man. Thanks, brother. Enjoy seeing you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you. Enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.